Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Why don't you turn to two or three people, welcome them to church, let them know their eyebrows look better after worship or something. Come on. So let them know you're excited to worship with them today. Uh, It's going to be a great day. This is like, I think, number three in this collection where we're talking clean, really chatting, living for Jesus, holiness. What does it look like to live a life that uh, doesn't just bring glory to myself, but brings glory to him, right? In the first service, my wife had a chance to attend. And, uh, you know, I was talking like, man, like, you know, we've been married for so long. Like, it's so funny in marriage, like there's give and trade sometimes, right? Where it's like, man, to do something for her, do something for the marriage. Sometimes I don't always win, but the relationship wins. And I, and I think sometimes following Jesus is kind of like that. Like, I don't always get what I want. I don't always get my will. But if I'm willing to live for his glory, like the relationship wins, you know? And, and couples are like that, right? Like, she's got money for all the things that she wants, but I don't have money to update the kitchen, but I got money for the motorcycle. Come on, somebody. Like, it's, like, it's funny how it's all like that. And as followers of Jesus... We're trying to live this life that doesn't just give glory and pleasure to me, but I'm trying to give glory and pleasure to him. We have this like high calling on our life. So first of all, a disclaimer real quick. You know, if you're here today and you're just checking church out, you're checking us out, you're checking Christianity out, I just want to welcome you. I really do. I want to welcome you. Thank you for just making a spiritual search. Thank you for making an honest search. We're happy to take you out for coffee and have a good conversation. We are not an arguing church. We're not a picketing church. We're not a screaming at you kind of church. That's just not who we are. We love good human relationships. Uh, I think sometimes church forgets how to be a good human being. So that's not who we are. And today's message isn't even really for you. In fact, if a Christian has ever tried to push morality on you, I'm sorry. That's not really the mission of the church. We're not here to tell other people, you know, what's moral and what's not. We're really here to tell you that Jesus loves you and we love you. That's the message. So if today, if you're checking it out and you're not quite a Christian, you don't know what it's all about, all I want you to hear today from this guy is we love you and I believe Jesus loves you. If you have experienced Jesus and you are uh, born again, right? You've received Jesus. You're convinced of his reality. You call yourself a Christian. You're in the church. Then this is a little bit more for you. If you're a part of our house, then this is a little bit more for you because this is a family convo a little bit today, okay? So there's my disclaimer, all right? So smile at your neighbor one more time. Be like, thank God he's talking about you and not me. Oh, it's okay. No, it's all, it's all good. And we're going to look at a few different scriptures today. And I, I really wanted to try to just open up my life a little bit today and give you four things, several things that have helped me walk in holiness. So th- these are four things that have personally helped me and reminded me how to live a holy life. And as we talked a couple weeks ago, as we talked last week, holiness is our position and it's our calling that the church is holy, that when you begin to follow Jesus, you're called holy, you're set apart, you're a holy people, a holy nation, right? This royal priesthood. So there's this idea that holy and holiness is your identity. It's your position in Christ. You're holy, you're set apart, okay? So there's that. And holiness is our calling. Because it's our identity, it is also our calling. 
A, a great example I used a couple weeks ago are my kids, right? I'm like, hey, you're a part of this family, therefore you don't hit your sister when you're angry, right? Like you're a part of this family, therefore you do your chores because I don't want you to grow up and be lazy, okay? I want you to leave dad's house one day. Like this is who you are, therefore this is what you do. Right? So it's dealing with identity and then chatting, chatting behavior. Right? I always think religion tries to work from behavior modification into the human heart. It doesn't work. Jesus works from, let me transform the human heart, and then we deal with the outside behavior. So it's kind of like kind of reverse there. So identity first, and then, then we chat action. Okay? So that's holiness. So, so how do we then, if this is who we are, how do we live this holy life to please Jesus? And here's some things that have always helped me live a holy life. To, to try to please to try to please Jesus is any Christian perfect? Absolutely not, <laughs> absolutely not. I've known a lot of Christians in twenty years. Ain't none of them have ever followed Jesus perfectly. All right. Let me talk to the people that are in the church again. Okay. Sometimes we put too much pressure on everybody else. Sometimes we really do, y'all. Everybody in this planet is human beings, just like all of us. Right. That doesn't mean that the original song isn't beautiful, but the way that we try to play it sometimes messes up, right? I mean, it's just true, right? So I think there's this beautiful symphony before us. We're all learning to live like Christ, and man, nobody is perfect. Everybody gets it wrong. Paul even said, the Apostle Paul said, hey, I'm still in process. I haven't arrived yet. So if Paul didn't arrive, then Mother Teresa probably didn't arrive, so I got no hope of arriving. But I'm on my way. I'm better than what I was. So what helps me live a holy life? Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. I'd like to read this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? I'm in my 40s, and I call myself young. Come on, that's a good thing. By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This idea of I want to hide this thing in my heart. Ephesians chapter 5 has this concept of the washing of the water of the word. It washes me. It cleans me. How many of you believe that showering is important? I hope all the hands go up or you might want to move over a little bit. Like, you know that humanity didn't always have showers, right? There were some stinky people a thousand years ago. Okay, like it's just, it's real. Like that no running water, no sanitation, no showers. They didn't bathe, but like once a month. Y'all, if, if I didn't bathe for once a month, like, wow, we need showering. Showering is a good thing. You don't go up to somebody and be like, you're like, oh, yeah, I showered in June, so I'm good for July. Right? Like, we need showers often. I'm kind of OCD about it. I have to shower before I ever get in bed. Like, I cannot get in bed and have a good night of sleep unless I first go to the shower. Like, I've just, I've been like this since childhood for some reason. Like, I can't even do it. Like, this is even trash. Like, I can forget. I'm like, no way. Like, I cannot, I can't get it out of me. I've got to do it. There's this idea of this, this washing of the water of the word, that if I read God's word every six months, it's going to be very hard for me to live a life that glorifies Christ, right? I need this washing of the water of the word. It, it wipes me. It, it cleanses me. It helps me out. It helps me see things with wisdom and, and love and correctness and purity. It just kind of washes me and cleanses me, right? This last few weeks, man, I've been a little wild for us. And, you know, not everything goes your way in life, does it? Sometimes, you ever heard that expression, when it rains, it pours? 
Like, okay. So we had a crazy busy school year. We've had a great six months. Best six months of ministry. Best six months of my family. My son is finally sleeping through the night. I mean, just everything was getting better and better and better. Great six months. Super happy. And if you know my, my story a little bit, you've heard me share before that I struggle with anxiety sometimes and just stress and worry and depression. And so, like, it's always been an ongoing battle that I've always had for my whole, like, you know, since teenage years on. And so just a great six months. I'm super positive, super joyful, doing all the right things, eating well, working out, feeling great about life. Everything's getting better. And then my wife, I'm like, yo, the kids are getting out of school. We're going to have the best summer ever. It's going to be so fun and so restful. It's going to be great. Man, we set ourselves up there. I'm going with some high expectations, you know? And so we take off for summer vacation and we land, and the next day I get sick. So my daughter probably touched something on the plane, stuck it in my mouth or whatever. So I'm sick now with this nasty cold for the first four days, okay? Then I fly back, preach, and if, if you need to pull up our podcast and listen to this message about preparing for your prayers, you need to do it. That was a good word. Remember the digging holes in the sand? If you were here for that one, that, that legit was a good word to get in your heart. And so preach that word, feeling, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm through the sickness, right? I get delayed in Atlanta. There's storms. So now I'm delayed for two days in Atlanta. It's absolutely miserable, right? I fly up. One of the cousins, we didn't know it at the time, of course, had hand, foot, mouth disease. Gives it to my twins. Now they got hand, foot, mouth. I think it ended up going to about 20 family members, okay? So hand, foot, mouth disease. They get hand, foot, mouth disease. Then there's this thing called swimmer's itch. I'd never even heard about this demonic little thing in my whole life, okay? So apparently in some of the lakes in the north, like Canada, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, there's like this little parasite, okay? And it tries to like lay its eggs in your skin, okay? This is disgusting. I didn't know this existed. So my daughter, Audrey, my nine-year-old, is covered head to toe in this thing called swimmer's itch. Like it's like, it's like a rash of poison ivy is what it looked like. It's terrible. My son, Zeeland's got it. I've got it to my knees on down because I was wading in the water. So I got two kids with this terrible thing called swimmer's itch. Two kids on hand, foot, mouth disease, right? Like just terrible. Then the hand, foot, mouth disease spreads to cousins, aunts, uncles, my other kids, right? It's just miserable, right? And then I know it's like a nightmare, Okay. And then on a sad note, Alyssa's stepdad fell and had to go to the hospital, and her grandmother passed away. This is all happening, like, day after day. Like, I'm like, what in the world, okay? I break my toe. It's a true story. You can't make this up. This is like a bad movie, okay? I turn the corner, break my toe, like the worst I've ever done in my whole life. The next week, my mom breaks her toe. More flights delayed. I had to write it all down. It's like too much, okay? I'm flying back in and out. I get a letter from my HOA that they want to find me $1,000, but it's my neighbor's fence. So you all better know I'm going to be fighting that next week in that HOA meeting, okay? So I get a letter from my HOA. We go back, more delayed flights, finally come back. We're like, okay, you know what? There was the craziest vacation. I'm exhausted. Everything's going to be better. We're going to get home. It's going to be relaxing. And so we're preparing ourselves. Y'all, we open the garage door, and the garage ceiling is raining. It's raining inside my garage. An AC pipe plugged, and the fail-safe sissy thing that's supposed to go off and stop it didn't, and it is raining in my garage. Half my garage ceiling is cut out right now, and I'm dealing with insurance, which are my favorite people to call on planet Earth, okay? Listen, if you believe that, you've never dealt with insurance, okay? So, like, we got the AC guy coming to fix the AC, and we had to dry it all out. We got the machines running 24-7. We're doing mold prevention. They had to cut it out, had to cut the wall, some of the wall and some of the flooring. It has been a nightmare. Thankfully, the worst is over. But the next day, 
I think I was dealing with worry and anxiety more than I've dealt with the entire year. You can see why. I'm exhausted. Like I had swimmer's itch. My garage is raining. And I just, I felt just terrible. Like, I just, I'm like, this is a bad season. And I'm exhausted. I want my vacation back. I want my money back. I want my flights back. I want my garage back. And I'm just like really kind of just that low key, just depressed. Right? I'm just down. And the next morning, right, I'm talking to my wife, and I'm just like, just pray for me. Like, I've had enough. Like, I have just had enough, right? And, and the next morning, I get up, and just this little, still, small voice on the inside of me, you know, just read your word. And so I open up Philippians. I know where to go, and I begin to read, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Through prayer, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I'm just, what am I doing, y'all? I'm washing myself with the water of the word. Does the word lose its power? No, but we forget. We forget so fast. You can be so positive. You can feel like God is with you. You can be rocking and rolling, and your garage starts raining, and you forget all about God's promises. We forget easy, don't we? Like, it's easy for us. We forget fast, right? It it can be so Great, whatever, and we get thrown by circumstances. We need the washing of the water of the word. The more you build yourself up with God's word, the stronger you will be spiritually. One of my mentors said, every morning there is a fight between two wolves, right? One wolf is good and noble and honoring and loving, and the other wolf is mean and nasty and cruel and slanders, and every morning they have a fight. Which wolf wins? the wolf that you fed the day before. What a great thought that that those of us that are in Christ, you are born again. The Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. God, all the best parts about you and me are Jesus, but we also have a flesh, and that flesh is a toddler forever, (laughs) right? And every morning there's a wrestling match, and if I wash myself with the water of the word, man, it goes a long way to help me live for Christ. We need the washing of the water of the word. Uh, The second, second point this morning, uh, comes from Genesis 39. This is the story of Joseph. Um, I, I love Joseph. He, he's such a beautiful character in the Bible. And, you know, he has these great dreams that God gives him. He shares them with his family. He's probably a little arrogant, but he was young, you know, and, and his brothers get really jealous. Uh, jealousy is a nasty thing. If you've ever dealt with somebody that's been jealous of you, whoo, get ready for a storm, okay? Like, it is, it is no fun. And, and so they're going to kill him, and they decide, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sell him in, in slavery instead, right? So, so they decide not to kill him. They, they sell him in slavery, and, and he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's an Egyptian, like a high-ranking Egyptian. And Potiphar's got this wife, and, yo, she thirsty. Like, she's just thirsty for Joseph. She's the original desperate housewife. And, and she, she just wants Joseph. And so daily she's like, yo, sleep with me, sleep with me. And he keeps saying no. Right? So he's like, I, I just, I can't do that to Potiphar. I got this conviction in my heart. I, I can't do it. Right? So he's just daily under temptation and he keeps staying strong. And one day she realizes that more people are gone. Her husband's gone and she finds him kind of all alone and she grabs him and she's like, yo, like come to bed with me now. And the Bible says that Joseph ran out of the house, y'all. Like he ran out of the house. He even left his coat behind. There's this beautiful and powerful and really deep concept. Joseph was willing to leave his coat for his calling. He was willing to leave something behind to get to where God wanted him to go. 
And I'm always amazed at how God came and promoted him and blessed his calling, but he also had tremendous character. I had a mentor tell me, he said, work 10 times harder on your character than your calling. And the American church, I think, is struggling with this a little bit. Callings are great. Platforms are great. Talking in front of a bunch of people, sure, it's awesome. But if we don't have character, we can never sustain calling church. And it's not just ministers that have a calling. You have a calling, right? And in fact, if anything, pastors are simply the equippers. We're like the coaches. You guys are the MVPs. You go out there and win the title. My job is just to help you get there and to do it and win in life. Amen? Right? So you've got this great calling. You've got this high calling. Joseph was willing to leave his coat for his calling. He was willing to say no for a moment so he could say yes to his mission. It was just forever before him. He could put down a moment for the mission. And I I, I say, reading that, I'm like, yo, it, it always convicts me. It amazes me at what was inside of his heart. Right? Because a lot of people would have jumped on that opportunity. Potiphar's wife was probably pretty good looking herself, right? He was a high ranking guy. Marriage worked different back then, right? All the high ranking guys picked the pretty girls, and that's just the way the world worked back then. And, and so, you know, we do it a little different now, thank God, and, and we don't do arranged marriage and all that stuff. But she was probably pretty good looking, right? But he chose to say no because he put something in front of him. He's like, man, again, I, I talked about this last week. Yo, I'm tempted, but I'm also tempted to see what God will do if I obey him. I've done that so many times in life where I'm like, yo, I'm tempted. But I'm attempted to see what God might do if I trust him in this moment, this, this heart to flee temptation. In one of the flights, I saw this commercial, and it was about traveling. And it says, things will stay the same if the same is where you stay. Things are going to stay the same if the same is where you stay. And I thought, yo, that actually preached a little bit too. Because if I stay around the same three people that always get me in trouble, things are going to stay the same. Right? If Joseph, Joseph realized, I can't stay in this house. If I stay... I'm going to sin. I'm going to make a mistake. I got to flee my environment. I got to change the situation. I got to shake it up. I got to run, right? And I just think, man, for us as believers and followers of Christ, if the same situation and the same two people in the same scenario gets you in trouble again and again and again, let's shake up the scenario because things will stay the same if the same is where you stay. You know what the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And so sometimes we live a defeated life because we just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And we're like, oh, God, I'll deliver me. It's like, well, yeah, but let's shake it up. Let's, let's do something different. Amen. Uh, n- number three, this is from Exodus 20. This has always helped me live a holy life, the fear of the Lord. And uh, just a little note on this. I actually would like to come back and probably do a whole series on the fear of the Lord one day. Exodus 20, verse 18, God just gives Moses the Ten Commandments, okay? So that's kind of the context of this. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we'll listen, but don't have God speak with us or we'll die. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God's come to test you so that you'll fear God, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. It almost sounds like a contradiction. Don't be afraid of God, but learn to fear God. The fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. The fear of God is holding God with a great amount of awe and respect and awesomeness. It's holding him weighty. Ironically, the fear of the Lord creates more intimacy. It's when we treat him carelessly and we hold our salvation carelessly that we're often stuck in a cycle of condemnation and separation from God. A lot of American Christians are going from careless to condemnation. 
the fear of the Lord and holding his word and holding a relationship with him in weight and honor, ironically, creates intimacy. I'm not afraid of God, but I want the fear of the Lord. Right? I think that's a, a great thing we all need to hear. I, I'm not afraid of him. I'm not terrified. But it's weighty. Our salvation is not careless. If sin wasn't serious, Jesus would have never had to die on a cross. And I think sometimes we've created a Jesus, I said a couple weeks ago, that we can cuddle with. But I don't know if it's the Jesus of the New Testament. He loves you. He loves you with all of his heart. But it's not careless. It's not careless. I don't want to hold it carelessly, okay? And, and so I want, the, I want this awe. I want the fear of the Lord. I, I, I'm not afraid of him, but I, I want to fear him. Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, hold it serious, guys. It's not a joke, right? It's not, it's not a joke. It's serious, right? Not church. Now, church can be fun. Church can be light, right? But when it comes to him, oh, I want to hold him with a heaviness in my heart. I love him. I love him. And I, I prayed so many times, Lord, help me because I don't want to screw all this up, you know, because I love you. Not that I'm afraid, but I love you. Help me. I'll tell you, guys, at church, you start praying that, God will help you. Lord, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to please you. Give me grace to help you. That's when our heart starts getting transformed. You make him the priority, right? It's not even about being good. It's about pleasing him. You make that your heart, man, it, it'll change. It, it really will. He'll start dispensing grace like you've never seen it in your life before. And again, nobody does it perfectly. I've been following Jesus for 20 years, and I'm still not perfect. But I'm a lot better than I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, I'm a whole lot better. Again, I've known some of the most amazing godly people and they still mess up, and they still struggle, and they still, I mean, good people can have bad weekends. They really can, right? Sometimes I watch the news, and I'm like, you know, everybody's just four bad decisions away from being on Channel 7 News. You know what I'm saying? Like, we really are. Like, so I, I want to have humility. I want to lead other people with my heart. I want to be a grace-giving church, a mercy-giving church. No one's here to condemn you today. And not at all. That's not our church. It's not our heart, right? Um, but when I hold Jesus, I, I want to hold it with weight. I want to hold it with weight. I'm not perfect. He didn't call a perfect son, but he's loving on me and he's working on me. I want to be obedient. I want a soft heart. I want a soft heart that responds to him, okay? All right, I'm done meddling on that. Let me go on. Last thing, last thing. This is Matthew 1, 25. It's going to sound a little awkward at first, but it'll make sense, okay? This is about Joseph and Mary. And it said, Joseph didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, uh, and she named him Jesus. And, in other words, Joseph and Mary, they, they didn't have sex, until Jesus was born. And they were technically married, right? And they're together, but they didn't get it on until Jesus was born. And which sounds really like almost sacrilegious, right? To say, okay, but they were normal people too, okay? How many of you know when two good looking, young, normal people get together and they get married, they're like, yo, like they're attracted to each other. Like you think Joseph cuddled next to Mary and like wasn't attracted to her? Probably not. He was probably super attracted to her, right? That's why they got married in the first place, right? But, but, but they had this sense, check this out, that she was carrying something holy. And the sense of carrying something holy was enough to say, like, we're going to walk this thing out. Y'all, so many times in my life, this has been the kicker for me. I'm carrying something holy. Church, can I remind you today, your calling is holy. It's unique. You, right now, 2020, what is it, 2023? Like, I, I was going to say 2024. I'm like, it's not that bad yet, is it? God, like, I went to 2018. I forget now. It's like, I don't know what happened. Like, like, you're carrying something holy. And if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is on the inside. 
The Holy Spirit is living on the inside. You are the temple of God. You are carrying something holy. And the times when I'm like, I'm ready to just blow the whole thing up, it's like, no, no. You are carrying something holy. You're carrying something holy. Church, can I encourage you today? Because we forget this. The enemy loves to help us forget we're carrying something holy. He loves to tell you it doesn't matter what you do. He loves to tell you you're worthless. He loves to tell you God's forgotten. Isn't this funny? Because these are all the lies that happen before temptation comes. He loves to beat you down. He loves to tell you to forget about it. He loves to get you nice and discouraged. Then he'll bring a temptation to help you self-heal out of that thing. Let's remind ourselves today we are carrying something holy. And when I can remember that I'm carrying something holy, man, that gives me the energy to walk it out. Because it's not just for me, it's for others. Sometimes, guys, when you survive through all the things that you've survived through, your testimony becomes somebody else's survival guide. Your life becomes the book they read to get through their stuff. And that's how we help each other win. Amen? Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.